Welcome to Movie Maker. I'm Tim Malloy, and I'm thrilled to tell you that our guest today is Julie Taymor, an artist's artist who also happens to make cultural juggernauts. She's the director of films including Across the Universe and Frida, whose stage adaptation of The Lion King is the most successful Broadway musical ever. Her new film, The Glorias, is one of her most ambitious. It's a decade-spanning story looking at all 86 years in the life of Gloria Steinem, an American hero and one of the key players in starting the feminist movement of the 60s and 70s that continues today. It stars Alicia Vikander as the under-40 Gloria and Julianne Moore as the over-40 Gloria. One interesting thing about the Glorias is how much it focuses on Steinem's origins as a journalist and how much time Gloria Steinem spent listening to other people. As we discuss, the film is one of the most empathetic and even-handed discussions of abortion I've ever seen in a Hollywood film. We also talk about Julie Taymor's years studying drama and mask-making, and there's no other way to say this, she's just fun to talk to. Our conversation was a few weeks back, and I've been thinking about it ever since. The Glorias is now streaming, and here's our guest, Julie Taymor. Well, Julie Taymor, it's a huge honor to have you here on Movie Maker Interviews. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. And I'm actually in Needham, Massachusetts right now through the magic of COVID, one town over from where you grew up in Newton, Massachusetts. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you didn't stay there very long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would think, I would say about half the day I was in Boston because I went at a very early age to uh, Boston Children's Theater, for, you know, hours every day after school, six days a week. But yeah, no, and, and I was out of there, out of my uh, suburbia um, at a young age when I went to Sri Lanka, which was Ceylon. And then I graduated high school early and went to Paris to study mime and um, masks and, and really did leave home pretty young, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to touch on how that relates to Gloria Steinem, because I think she had a similar experience, but what was it that sent you to Ceylon at such a young age? Well, the, I, I really loved to travel. I was the youngest of three kids and there was a lot of commotion in the house. If you saw across the universe, you saw a, a vague image of my family. My, my parents were much better than that, but my <laughs> older brother and sister were Jude, uh, I mean, were uh, Max and Lucy in a way. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. And I was the little, um, although I'm not blonde, I was the little, the little girl sitting there watching um, my parents deal with the early 60s, you know, with, the, with all the events that were happening, the war, the drugs, the whole thing. So for me, finally, I, I just needed to be out on my own, you know, needed to travel. And my parents were incredibly supportive of that. And people, people are aghast when they think about the kind of freedom I had as a kid and uh, how my parents just let me go. But times were not as dangerous as they've become since then. But where you were talking about Gloria Steinem's, uh, the parallel uh, experience is actually after college. Mm-hmm. When I came back from Paris, uh, uh, I did spend a year in, in Europe and traveling before I went to college. And then I went to Oberlin mm-hmm. um, and did a lot of different things. But I did graduate and, and received a traveling fellowship from the Watson Foundation to go to Eastern Europe, Indonesia, and Japan for a year. And what ended up happening was I went to for three months to Indonesia 
and ended up staying four years when I was 20, 21 years old. So even though I'm 20 years younger than Gloria, I had that experience right after college of going to Asia and having Asia take me. And basically, <laughs> I, I would call it a trial by fire, really. Uh, and the most important experience of my life was living in Java and Bali and touring. I had a theater company after two years of Indonesian performers, mass dancers, actors, musicians. And we, we traveled through Sumatra, Java, and Bali and performed original work. So, you know, if, if, even if you see The Lion King, which is, you know, African-oriented, there is an enormous amount of Asian theater inspiration there from mm -hmm. all my time. And I did travel a lot through Japan, through Southeast Asia. And uh, I, I have a, a, a huge affinity for the arts in Asia. That's, that's something that's inspired me tremendously. So in the film, The Glorias, you show how Gloria Steinem sort of found show business as a refuge very early on uh, as a young tap dancer. That's right. And then she travels to India, where she has a lot of life-changing experiences. Did you see that as kind of your way into telling this story? Did you feel a close affinity with her? I, I don't think it was my way in. I think it was the affinity. Mm -hmm. That's true, that I, I did identify... Uh, with her wanderlust, you know, the, the book she wrote, uh, My Life on the Road, I read just for pleasure on a beach mm. in Tulum. A friend gave it to me about five years ago in January. And I really wasn't interested. You know, I had done Frida. I had done a biopic in my own way, but it was a biopic. And I had been offered many, but I wasn't really interested. I like, like you know, I like stories that you can you can add to take away from that aren't true where you don't get criticized for <laughs> how you're telling that story that everybody thinks they own. But I, I read this, this extraordinary, um, her own biopic, you know, autobiographical novel, but it was written as a road book, meaning yeah. it's not a drama. It is not, it doesn't have three parts. It's all over the map. It's 80 years of her life. There are stories on taxi rides, on political uh, canvassing, on you know her father and mother, on her early life, on India. So getting back to the whole India thing, I did relate to that part of her life, yeah. which is at that age, having the most extraordinary experience of one's life happen, where she went to India on a fellowship after Smith College that was a two-year fellowship. And she probably started, I mean, she did start in the university there in, in New Delhi, but then she went out into the countryside and traveled on trains, on, on third class cars with women only trains because it was safer. And then she, she, got, she was very inspired by Gandhi and Gandhi's writings and right away found herself at an ashram, wanted to go there and was taken by this older woman in the ashram to villages that had caste riots and had, you know, lower caste villages. And that's where Gloria Steinem was introduced to the concept of the talking circle, yeah. meaning that these women were gathered together and were able to, around a, a fire, a campfire, we call it, but around a fire to be encouraged to tell what happened to them, a kind of grassroots organizing experience for Gloria. And even though she didn't speak the local languages, only a little bit of Hindi, it was interpreted to her, but she could see from the faces, which we show in this film. And yes. those, when we shot this part in India, because this was the only, we shot 95% of the film in Savannah, Georgia. 
and mm. the rest and this, this the sections in india we had to go and i had to really with my wonderful producer lynn hindi we both knew we had to shoot that in india those are village women who you are seeing there's maybe one or two actors but the rest are real people who who were improvising stories we worked on this you know so gloria was was um experiencing the power of of people exposing their stories things that were shameful rape mutilation fires various things and how when they opened up their lives to the other women who had potentially experienced similar things there was a bonding and a strength yeah. And that, that is something that then Gloria learned right there in India and then carried on for the rest of her life, which was, you don't have to do the talking. As a leader, you don't have to be the one who leads. You have to be the one who is um, eliciting these stories out of people. And that is a powerful position, kind of the opposite of the way our government has been working. <laughs> <laughs> I can all. I am, I'll fix everything. No, no. This is about grassroots power. I thought it was so interesting that she's a reporter and that that ends up being not a passive profession, but a really active one in that she is getting her power from listening and from, you know, accruing all this information and sharing it. And the other thing I really liked about this, well, sort of to go a little personal here, the last trip my wife and I took before COVID was to South Dakota. And this movie more or less opens in South Dakota. That's right. and, and I think with everything going on with COVID and with the Sturgis motorcycle rally being kind of a ground zero for the spread of COVID, I mean, not the origin of it, obviously, but one of the worst, worst mm -hmm. cases of people going out when they shouldn't have. Um, we sort of think of that as like the opposite of what life is like on the coasts. And I just would like if everybody did hit the road a little more and did travel more and had the opportunity to travel more and see that like when you go to South Dakota, they're not a bunch of, you know, mask flouting idiots or monsters. I mean, some of the nicest people in the world, just really just everyone with their own fascinating story and their own complexities. And that's something that she gets in that scene where she goes to the diner. That's right. She doesn't judge a book by its cover. It's a very simple uh, learning lesson, which is, you know, she thinks that these are going to be what we, what, what an East Coast liberal would be frightened of, these bikers and, you know, uh, in red states or whatever. Yeah. And these extraordinary people come up to her and tell her that they were moved by her magazine, that it changed their lives. And I think Gloria is so great at exposing that. She's, she just, she can talk to anybody. She can cross not just gender, but racial lines and uh, socioeconomic levels in a way that is so uh, moving to me. There's nobody she can't talk to with humor. This is yeah. the other thing. When I read her book, I, and, and then I, of course, I know her really well now and I adore her, you know, I just love her. Uh, it's, it's her sense of humor, her yeah. way of, of um, you know, even for some of these really sexist guys that we show in the movie, I, I tried in the film never to really paint them as two-dimensional. I kind of like all of them, including the New York Times editor who comes <laughs> on to her because he's smart to come on to her. Come on, she's beautiful, she's young, she's single. It was those days, you know, no one would have thought anything about it then, but he also gives her a shot at writing stories. He appreciates her intelligence and he respects that. So 
you know, the, the, Gloria, and, and what does she do when he comes on to her? She quits and, go have, and goes to have an ice cream. That's great. Now, that's not what all women can do when, when, I mean, I'm not saying that's the way it should be now. I'm glad that the Me Too movement and people have come out and said that's just unacceptable. But, but on the other hand, I, I, I do think that there is a strength in saying, am I going to put up with this? No fucking way. Let me out of here. <laughs> I, you know, she had enough in, uh, ability to do that. Not everybody can quit. Not everybody can quit. Yeah. I mean, she's a phenomenal person and has incredible skills that she's able to take that are in high demand, which is yeah. extremely helpful. You know, the other thing in terms of empathy, one thing that really struck me about a Hollywood movie coming out now, the way you handle abortion in this movie, um, where that's, there's so many debates where people are all on one side or all on the other side on almost everything in America now, it seems like. And this is probably the single, if not the most contentious issue, contentious issue, one of the most contentious. And you kind of find a middle ground, not in the sense of suggesting legislation or something, but in the sense of hearing out Dolor the Dolores Huerta character's arguments. Let me tell you, I'm, you're like one of the first, and you're a guy, who's really asked me about this. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thrilled to be able to talk about it because it was one of the most important things that I really wanted to get into this, which, you know, her book, you may not know this, but her book is um, uh, dedicated to the doctor in London who gave the go ahead for her to have an abortion. Can you imagine? The dedication is to that doctor. And the thing that he said to her was, if I give you this, because it was illegal there as well, but he did okay it for her at that 21 years old age where she was on her way to India and she wasn't prepared to become a mother. And she never became a mother, in fact, because she mothered her mother, which you get in the film. But he says to her, promise me two things. One, you will never tell anybody my name. And number two, you will do what you want to do with your life. Yeah. So, of course, this, is, this, is, this allowed her to fulfill her life. That's called pro-life. I think one of the things that's always annoyed me about this whole argument is the side that calls themselves pro-life always picks the better words. <laughs> <laughs> pro-life is stronger than pro-choice. But the point of the, in the film is what you were saying is everybody is anti-abortion. And we make that very clear in the scene with Dolores Huerta. This is an interesting fact is that that moment in the movie at the women, the Houston Women's Conference, where Gloria and Dolores have that conversation, just for your, for your listeners and readers, Dolores Huerta had 10 children, was a devout Catholic. She was definitely anti-abortion and was pro-life. I mean, what, what, she was a right winger on it. But after she went to Houston and various other things, she saw that the people who represented that side were Klansmen, were anti, you know, the Phyllis Schlafly group, they were anti the workers, you know, that there were a lot of the people who were anti the um, farm workers union that she was, she co-founded with uh, Cesar Chavez. Yeah. So she started to have a reckoning. And because of her relationship with Gloria, I wrote that scene. It yeah. didn't happen there. It didn't happen at that time, that particular scene where Dolores doesn't change for herself, but she changes in the sense, I wanted to find a character, this is what you were asking about, I wanted to find a character who was very anti-abortion, but who had gone through a metamorphosis mm -hmm. and an understanding that really maybe 
That's her choice for herself, but let other women make their choice that the government doesn't have a right to get involved with their bodies. I mean, it's incredible to me now that the anti-mask, the politicization of the mask business, you know, with COVID is, I have to be free. You can't tell me what to put on my body. And yet the same group of people are telling women what to do inside their body for the rest of their lives. I mean, we know the, the, the hypocrisy and the politics of all of this is really more powerful than the actual religious fervor. But I wanted to write that scene in um, the Houston situation. So I asked Gloria if it was okay. And would she ask Dolores Huerta if it was okay? Because Dolores, yeah, I I wasn't going to put it if I didn't have approval by these two great women. So she said Dolores was fine with it. I wrote the scene. She sent it to Dolores. I wanted them to feel strongly about that it was the right thing to do and Dolores uh, signed off. So I couldn't have been more excited and, and relieved. Um, but I do agree with you, it's the most critical thing. And we also show the scene about the young girl, you know, talking in Washington Square Methodist Church, talking about when her best friend in, in high school was frightened to tell her parents that she had been abused and raped and was pregnant and therefore used a coat hanger. I mean, people now forget about those days in the yeah. 70s and 80s, 60s, whatever, even earlier. And it's on the chopping block at the Supreme Court coming right up. I mean, in fact, I think the Glorias is, is un- horribly more important now than it was in our minds when we started it. Because, well, thank God that Biden won. I mean, that's one of the reasons we wanted to get this movie out before the election, because what would it have been like to bring it out if Trump got reelected? But many issues, the ERA, the the abortion issues, um, there are so many, uh, the immigrant mothers, you know, when it talks about that in the Houston, you're hearing all these issues at the Women's Conference in 1977, and you're going, oh my God, nothing... Very little has changed, but what you do see there is how women go across party lines, mm-hmm. how women join together, 20,000 women, the three, three first ladies, um, all were there, Republican, Democrat, it didn't matter, and racially completely mixed. And it, it's, uh, it's very inspiring. And also the whole India thing, I mean, thinking about Kamala Harris now, and that she is this wonderful racial mix and how Gloria was so inspired. Her major inspiration is from India. So I think people will have a different look when they see the film now. I mean, hopefully, you know, this magazine will help people go and see it. But, you know, I really want people to um, make those connections with what's going on right now. You have four different actresses, I believe, playing Gloria Steinem at different ages. The main ones are Alicia Vikander and Julianne Moore. And you find this really interesting device to pull them all together and to have them even get to talk to each other. Can you talk about what that is and how you arrived at it? Yes. Well, I call it the bus out of time because in a biopic, you're very concerned with time. So it started with the fact that 80 years is a lot to cover in in a two or two and a half hour film. And it's all over the map. And you're having, you go from a six-year-old, we have a young girl playing six, seven, eight, then we have a 12-year-old, then we have Alicia playing 20 to 40, and Julianne Moore playing 40 to 80. And then, spoiler alert, so we don't go on beyond the four women. <laughs> and, uh, and I definitely didn't want to have voiceover, 
I didn't want to have the obligatory voiceover. I did not want to have, um, what is it, Chirons, you know, where you put Boston, 1975. We would go nuts because we, we traveled to over 100 locations. You know, we're all over America and, and India. We would have gone over the world, but that would have cost a bit. <laughs> and we would have had to make a TV series. So um, I kept, I had a problem with thinking about, because I co-wrote the script with Sarah Rule, but really this idea was something I, I had, I, before I even asked her to work on it with me, it was some, it was what you called, it's an organizing principle. Mm -hmm. And what I do as a writer director in the theater, opera and film, is one of the first things I try to do is find an ideograph. Now an ideograph is an abstraction of the whole. If I were to take all of what this road picture is and put it into one image or one concept, what would it be? Well, it's sometimes it's very obvious and very stupidly simplistic. It's a road, but it's not just the road with the yellow dashed line. It's the movement on the road because it's a road picture. It's the movement. Gloria never spent more than a few nine weeks in her apartment sometimes a year. You know, she was always traveling. So I came up with this concept of a bus. Now, what is the archetypal bus in America? It's the Greyhound. It's the Greyhound bus. Yeah. And I even had it in Across the Universe, I think, when JoJo came from Detroit to New York. But, you know, it's a public bus. Because Gloria said in India, when, they, when the women on the train asked her, why aren't you traveling in a private car like most of the foreigners? And she says to these women in her third class car, she says, uh, you know, train car, she says, if I traveled in a car, I wouldn't really be in India and I wouldn't have met you. So this mentality of Gloria, which is to be in a public space, to travel in a public space, and it's, it's a movement. It's not about one woman moving. It's about the group. I thought, okay, if I have this bus out of time, I better put it in black and white. Otherwise, the audience will confuse it with reality. It's an, we have an X, there are three levels of reality in the Glorias. One is the normal dramatic one where you have actors playing parts and fathers and mothers and politicians and this and that. That's the one with all the actors. You also have the um, uh, archival material, which I use very, I, I use a lot of it for the big things, the March on Washington, the Houston Women's Conference, being in outside of the taxis. There's an enormous amount of green screen as we had to shoot everything in Savannah. So in order to be able to create these worlds. I also used archival from the 60s and 70s and 80s, you know, as backgrounds. But the third thing is the inner landscape, the inner journey. So the bus out of time is that. It's the inner journey, which meant that the glories could be on the bus together, the various ages. So in her book, which is in the first person, she might be describing the scene where her mother is in the um, kind of slightly mental institution old age home, the home that's for her because she's still fragile. She's still, you know, um, she, she had a lot of, of, of mental problems and Gloria goes to visit her at this moment. And you see it break from that scene in the hospital or the home to the bus where the 30 year old Gloria is talking to the uh, older Gloria, the 50 year old Gloria and saying, you know, why didn't I ask her why she didn't go to New York and become a journalist? Why she didn't leave pop? You know, why she didn't do that? Why she didn't fulfill herself? And the older Gloria says to her, because she would have told you that if she had gone to New York, she wouldn't have had you. Now, 
That was in the book, but not as a dramatic dialogue. Right. It was written as a first person reflection, which is, I always wish I had asked my mother why she didn't, but then I thought about it. And when I thought about it, I knew she would have said. So what I did was I took all of those self-reflections that Gloria wrote in her book, and I put them into dramatic dialogues between the various Glorias. So and not all of them happen in the bus, but the ones happen in the bus are very, I, I think it was the most experimental part of the film. And yet from what people have told me, it's the most successful part of the film because mm -hmm. what it did was it also glued, it was the interstitial material that could glue various scenes that were really far away together. Like in the beginning, I have the three, three Glorias. You see them right at the beginning. I set up the style where they're in black and white, but when they look out the window, their memory is in color. So I've set up the device. It's not to be a gimmick. It's to be a, um, a style of form that lets the audience understand the form so that they, can, they know, all right, now when an older Gloria is resting her head on the 12-year-old Gloria, she's dreaming or she's thinking, or she's with her holding her hand as the 12-year-old is, is re reminiscing or remembering very difficult time in her life. So when I told this idea to Gloria Steinem that I thought I had a, a link, I thought I had a, not a link, uh, a keyhole into how I would... What, what was that word again? Keyhole? Keyhole, sorry. Yeah, I needed a, I needed a way, uh, it, or a light bulb. <laughs> When you get an idea, what is it? When I found like, oh, I have a concept, you know, I, I can, I figured out what is it that's going to hold this whole thing together. The, the glory is interacting with each other, moving around in time. Then I wouldn't need to have Boston 1976. I wouldn't need to have the voice saying when I went back to India or I thought I would be able to do it through drama. And because her book was a first person narrative and was a, a road, I needed to find that dramatic um, cinematic, dramatic uh, style. That, that's what I had to do as a filmmaker. It wasn't enough to just give the information. I had to have the visual style. And out those windows, I did a lot of experimentation hmm. with what to put out those windows because that bus was shot in green screen the last day of shooting in Savannah in a, in a studio. And I knew that outside those windows, it had to be impressionistic. It couldn't be specific. So you got movement, you know, which we put in like paintings, you know, it's the, you get the feeling of trees or highways or cities passing, but you're not concentrating on it because she's forever moving to the next march. She's forever moving to the next um, talk that she's going to give or, um, you know, any of the kinds of things that she would do that would take her to Chicago, you know, the homily here, the this there. Uh, I told this concept back to Gloria about the bus out of time and the four Glorias speaking to each other, arguing with each other, reminiscing, haranguing, laughing at each other or with each other. And she said, how did you know? Oh gosh. And I went, know what? And she said that I often see myself across the room, a younger part of myself or across the street. And I wonder if I knew then what I know now, what would I have done? Or I look back and I say, oh my God, you had a certain bravery that I don't have right now. I mean, I understand that too. I, I look back on my life in Indonesia and I go, how the fuck did I have the guts to find that live volcano? What an idiot. 
<laughs> what an idiot. Or live in, on the dirt floor for a year cooking over a brazier with going and getting water to watch. Could I do that now? No way. What is it when you're 21 or when you're, I went for three months in Indonesia and stayed four years. You know, it's like, so I think that Gloria Steinem was, was just shocked. She, she calls the, the kind of idea of the multiple Glorias and the ability on the bus to be able to reflect with each other, the kind of, um, what do you call those, those Russian dolls, those nesting eggs, the, the, it's like a, the doll, the Gloria within the Gloria, within the Gloria, within the Gloria. That's why I called it the Glorias. But I also called it the Glorias because she is a composite of the women, especially women of color. I mean, you can see Wilma Mankiller, Dorothy Pittman Hughes, um, Flo Kennedy. And at, in those days, Bella Abzug being a Jewish woman would have fallen into that suit because there was so much, and not that it's all gone away, but the other, the, the anti-Semitism at the time or the feeling that, hmm, she's so different, you know? Right. You get that from Bette Midler's, uh, her discussion about what it's like for her to run. So I was very excited that Gloria went, that's the way that I, how did you know? And I, I don't know, you know, we as filmmakers or as artists, sometimes that's just something that, you know, you, 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 I'm living with her book. I'm meeting her. I have very big politicos in my, in my mother and my sister. So yeah. even though I went into the arts, it's in my family to, to watch. My mother wrote a book called Running Against the Wind. And she's, she's going to be 100 in um, March. She's seen this movie six Great. times. It's her favorite. <laughs> Is her favorite of all my movies, of course, because she's a she was a big politico in Massachusetts, and Gloria knew of her. So you know, this is I guess I I don't know, but it it, it it's something that was the clue was the was the key, and and the bus. It's not all on the bus that these women um, interchange with the, with each other. It's on the bus that they're able to talk to each other, or I think one of my favorite moments is after the death of 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 Leo, the father, you see the four Glorias in four seats, because often that bus is empty, it's only them. And they're looking out the window, each of them in their own world, seeing that father's car, which is so meaningful, because the father said, um, uh, travel is the best education. And they were always on the road. Gloria didn't even go to school until she was 11 or 12. She, she, she was traveling, her, her education was travel. So you, they look out the window and they see that car. It allowed for me to be very free. It's the way that I think when I put this film script together and then thought about how to shoot it. It's, it, it, it's like in, the, in Frida, you had the paintings coming alive. Well, that, I didn't write that. I worked with Edward Norton on, on Frida, on the script, but he really wrote that and uncredited by the way, but that's the way it goes. But he, he <laughs> wrote it, but Actually, um, Salma did most of uh, her own dialogue for the character. We did it through improvisation. Oh. That most of what Frida was speaking, this is a segue, but most of what she said was, was through improvisation with, with, with Salma and, and you know, really we were able to um, write that part of the script through her own words. But the paintings coming alive was my addition to that script because that was the way to do, like the bus, the paintings coming alive is the inner autobiography. Her paintings were her autobiography. So I felt that I could, showing how they were created, 
you would understand that abstract emotional journey that she was going through. So there's a similarity in the surreal part of the Glorias. You have the bus out of time. You have moments where, for instance, when she, Gloria was asked to give the homily at um, the church in Minneapolis, she's mm -hmm. on her way to the church and she's in that taxi and the anti-abortion, uh, you know, the right to lifers are outside screaming, protesting that she's a baby killer and they're showing, you know, it's, it's absolutely horrifying on her way to the church, to a Catholic church, to, to give her views, which is Father Egan invited her, an amazing, uh, amazing priest. And so I decided to put the six-year-old girl in that taxi. Mm. And it's the six-year-old girl that is experiencing um, that kind of vitriolic fury that is coming at her, the sound. And you see, she's crying. She's terrified. But when the police open the door to the taxi, who gets out? Julianne Moore as Gloria, composed, her face not showing the emotion. Now we know who was in the taxi. Mm. So I was able to use the aspects of Gloria, her, her, her child aspect, the fear, am I doing the right thing? Am I, you know, what am I doing? You know, the, these are the things that movies are, are able and supposed to do, which is not just to show the exterior view, of life experience, but to show the interior. It's almost for me cubistic. It's like putting the camera here, here, not just here. We've gotten too used to sticking the camera in front, handheld, moving around and thinking that's reality, but it isn't necessary reality. People think Gloria Steinem, she's so composed and so beautiful with the streaks of gold in her hair and those aviator glasses. She was born a speaker. Well, this movie is to show you, no, she was not born a speaker. In fact, she was terrified of public speaking. But also in the various points of her life, she, she wasn't what she looked like. You know, there's a way that in her interviews that she has humor, that she smiles. That's why when I get to the, um, the craziest one that people either love or hate, okay, fine. But the one with the uh, tornado, yeah, after yeah. she's getting this incredibly uh, misogynistic uh, questioning, or I like that guy too. I don't blame any of these guys. You know, they're all from from the times, so I get it, and uh, and I lived through it too. Not quite the same as Gloria, but I did. So you know, what you want to know is as she's smiling and giving a polite answer that might have a little bit of a dig, but not direct. What is she thinking? I mean, I liken that to the moment where Hillary Clinton in the debates with Trump was stalked. He was like behind her. And you go, what is she thinking? She can't say what she's thinking. And even in the documentary on Hillary that's on you know, uh, streaming now, she talks about that moment, that if she actually said what she was thinking, she would have been criticized right and left. So better be quiet. Kamala Harris was the same in her um, debate with Pence. She had a smile. She said some, you know, cutting things, but basically she was not. I wanted to see the bubble. So basically what I felt I could do as a filmmaker is, why don't I just show the bubble? Why don't I show what was happening in three seconds? I'm gonna put a little scene there together. And then the audience knows that it's not real. It's, it's a, it was a satire, you know, it was whimsical. It was humorous. It's not mean because when she gets, when we get out of it and go back to reality, he asked her if, if she would forgive him for what he says. And she says, forgive and forget. 
So how offensive is that? Not. It's not. So I, I really, you know, whether that's a Gloria, I, you know, I talked to Gloria about the scene because it's not from her book. It's not from her. It's not something, something that she told me. Uh, but this is about the Glorias, which means even as a filmmaker, I am allowed to put my own ideas or experience. And she wanted that. She was very happy to have the participation of me as an artist in the telling of the story. That was the awesome Julie Tamor. If you enjoyed that conversation, there's a little bit more of it, and it's some of the best stuff. Uh, we saved it for the upcoming print issue of Movie Maker Magazine, which you're going to want to check out, especially if you are a screenwriter. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend. Do you ever text people episodes or share them through WhatsApp? My brother and me do that all the time because he lives very far away. Uh, send this one to your brother or sister or whoever you like to listen to. And great news, our next episode will be hosted by the better host of this podcast, Eric Steyer. We'll be back with someone great very soon. See you then.